Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And before we get to an awesome podcast with Evan Marr of Logical, just a quick shout out to cruisetax.com. It is our new self-serve tax site. Self-serve in the sense that you can upload all your documents, answer a bunch of questions, and then our amazing startup CPAs actually prepare your tax returns. So the CPAs are the ones who are preparing it, signing it, sending it over to you. This is in popular demand to our tax-only service last year. We decided to make just a dedicated website to make it super easy for all the startups out there who just need their taxes done. And it's kind of surprising. There's a lot of folks out there who maybe handle their own bookkeeping or do their own thing, but everyone needs to file a tax return. So check out cruisetax.com. Very proud of it. We have a bunch of feedback. People are even calling it slick. That makes us feel very good. So cruisetax.com. And now for a really funny podcast with Evan Marr. Funny and informative. Uh, and by the way, Evan's, uh, when I alluded to Evan having to postpone the podcast in this one, it's because his company was raising $25 million from NEA. So kudos to Evan. Congratulations to the whole Logical family. And uh, I think you're going to really like this podcast. Thanks. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And my very special guest today is Evan Maurer of Logical. Welcome, Evan. Hey, uh, thank you for having me, Scott. Uh, every time, this is now my second time on the podcast. Um, every time I do slightly correct your pronunciation of my name, uh, it's Mar. Mar. But, but close enough. Rhymes with car, bar, star, far. I think it's Joe Maurer that's throwing me yeah, off, like the baseball it. player. Yeah. Also, he, you slipped this in, the second time on the podcast... You're going to be my first guest to ever come back for the second time. Like, this was a big moment. We exchanged emails about it. And unfortunately, business is so strong at Logical, you actually had to postpone the podcast. Yeah, just by 24 hours, I think. Or 48 hours? 24 hours. 24 hours. And I did another second timer yesterday. So you just missed out on the honor. But tell me what you're, I, you're I, saying. Yeah, I'm Buzz Aldrin, man. No one, no one remembers the second man on the moon, you know? <laughs> But you did say, you were saying the Alec Baldwin thing? Oh, yeah. I just feel like what we really need to do is make it like, you know, this really prestigious thing. Like Alec Baldwin, every time he visits SNL, he's hosted it like nine times. And they have a new, like, I think it's like a smoking jacket or robe for him. It's like in the Seven Timers Club or the Ten Timers Club or whatever it is. Hopefully I don't, I'm not on this ten times. Hopefully Logical is the last job I ever have <laughs> before I die because it's great. Well, you can just come back and do the update on Logical. Just update on sure. that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Well, that, and then, but in that I, will case, have, I'm good. I will have a very special gift for you next time. <laughs> I will think about that somehow <laughs> yeah. and get it going. The trifecta. So thanks for coming back again. So since, since we last talked, well, first of all, let's talk about the rock band stuff because I was actually just complimenting Evan on his, he's got a very strong voice, which you can probably hear coming. Through. So, like, we did a mic check, and it was like it was awesome. And uh, I always do a mic check, but he did it really well. So, what's the update on the rock band? Yeah, we actually talked about it when I was at Sigfig. We did the podcast the first time. It's funny. We played together for about eighteen months. We were lazy because we didn't want to be a cover band, so we didn't want to get a gig until we wrote enough covers. And then finally, we were just like, if we don't get a gig on the calendar, we're never writing songs is a pain in the neck. Yeah. It's hard. So. We finally got one. We played one gig. We played together literally like 12, 18 months. And, uh, and then like the next week, first gig went okay. And uh, it was fun. We had a great time. And then one of the guitarists was like, hey, man, my wife says we're spending too much time. I got to duck out of the band. <laughs> we finally have a band name. Uh, and, and, he, and he left. And so we literally, the last two weeks, we've been auditioning guitarists and uh, replacement guitarists. And we just extended an offer. So Kevin Phillips, if you're out there, this is Kevin Phillips. He's a salesperson at DocuSign. 
Kevin, I, I emailed you the job offer this morning. The terms of that are you will get one fifth of the zero royalties <laughs> you, we will ever earn. And you will, uh, fortunately, you will be able to uh, maintain your anonymity among young, hot rock and roll men or women. San Francisco, we don't judge. That's the that's the deal. That is amazing. So yeah. zero dollars, a lot of time and energy, and uh, but you do get to be a rock star, yeah. which is pretty cool. <laughs> but completely so, anonymous. Yes, uh, that's awesome. I love it. So you, what do you? Are you guys? You guys have like a whole cadre of songs now, or yeah, I'm a half dozen. Ah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so we play. Is the, it on SoundCloud or anything, or where do we listen? We're to on it? we're on YouTube. If you ah. Google, if you look on YouTube for Western Nephews, is the name Western of the band. Nephews, interesting. It's a uh, Pablo Neruda reference, apparently. Oh. I, don't know, I, I didn't know it. Just Google Western Nephews uh, Hotel Utah. You should find us on YouTube. Hotel Utah. That's a and good. I say that with I, a little Hotel bit of Utah shame. is a good. That's, good that's a venue. Yeah, yeah it's a good yeah. venue. Do you have anyone on YouTube playing your songs, like covering your songs yet? Oh, that's next level, man. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, you know who I want to do it is. There's this, we're totally digressing. Yeah, here, this but is whatever. Awesome. Who cares? This is you great. Can, you're gonna. By the way, Scott's gonna edit all of it. No, like, well, no, it's staying, it's that's fine. There's this. There's this gal. She. I, it's some of the first videos. I think she's like 15, playing the like. 18 string like uh, Chinese traditional Chinese or maybe it's the traditional Korean there's a version of in each culture like lute you know this like yeah like horizontal it's not like you play like guitar but it's basically like a stringed a lute and but it's it's laying a, across a table and she does like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix and ACDC it's wow. like breathtaking on the lute yeah, it's it really you got just like super plug for that. So if we can get her covering one Western of our Western nephews. I'll reach out to her manager and let her know that yeah. it may not have quite the amount of traffic, but it's close. She she's awesome. Actually, you know what? I, I'm gonna you can you can totally clip out all the dead air as I, I look for because this 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 girl needs. She deserves to be she known deserves to be in, the, in the yeah. in the founders of friends podcast world. Exactly. Maybe I'll have her on the podcast. Yeah, oh, she's amazing, and she's got like a pretty big. She's got a pretty, pretty big YouTube following. If you Google, uh, if you look on YouTube, her, I've know how to pronounce this: G A Y A G E U M. Gayagum. She's. I think she's Korean, and it's amazing. I'll check it out. All right, Stevie, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, ACDC, Rolling Stone. Maybe we can get her to do the intro music for the podcast. I, you know, I, again, we're ta- we're digressing a ton. The one thing when we made this offer to this guitarist, I was like, hey, by the way, we have had one paying gig. And then it's, by the way, this is now my marketing. Our one paying gig was the head of marketing for Logical, Robbie Hilson, who's a great marketer. And he's also our number one fan uh, of the Western Nephews. He reached out out of the blue and he's like, hey, would the Western, we're getting our podcast back up and running. Would the Western Nephews write a custom jingle wow. for us? And I, I, said, would, I would do that for Cruise Consulting, too. Well, here's the thing. Hey, this is what I'll tell you exactly what I told yeah. Robbie. Let's just talk turkey here. Uh, commercial jingles are actually quite expensive. The average one round, uh, runs around $10,000. Wow. And Nationwide is on your side. That's four notes, by the way. That Supposedly, they paid like a lot more, like 50, 60, 70 that grand That one's for amazing. That. Yeah. yeah. So that's big business. So I'll tell you what, Robbie. I will do this for four bottles of OK Whiskey. Okay. And then we, had, we then retraded on that, and we had to include a bottle of decent tequila. And we did it, and it's now... Did that get well, past the VP of Finance at I, I approved the expense. <laughs> but you joke, but if you do our tax returns, uh, or whoever does our audit, like I will disclose that as an inside transaction because it's a related party <laughs> transaction because it's awesome. <laughs> I, well, I can buy four bottles of OK whiskey, yeah. so and, I can well, afford and one, that. And one bottle of decent tequila. That, okay, okay. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So we actually have been retained. Is it done yet? Is it oh, it's done. It's live. Oh, I want to listen to it. Okay, I, I'll check I, it out. I, yeah, I have it, but I, you, should, okay. you, you can look it up for yourself. It's called the Cullcast. K- uh, oh, C-U-L-L-C-A-S-T. Yeah. 
Logical is spelled funny, which we can get to in a second. But yeah, we actually are, have been engaged for another company to write theirs as well. So if you're out there spending money on whiskey bottles, we're available. Is you all might, I'm saying. Maybe you should charge cash and then buy your own whiskey bottles and uh, pocket the difference. Don't you? Doesn't that lose some of the romance? <laughs> maybe. Uh, okay, logical. Tell us about it. It's a, I know the company's doing really well. Oh well, thank you. Um, yeah, and you know what's nice uh, about having this conversation now that I'm not at Sigfig is that you know I was on as chief compliance officer, and so I had you know. Y- we were in a regulated industry. You had to be careful what you said. Yeah, yeah, we actually had to edit out some of the stuff. Yeah, you because said. you don't want it to sound promissory. And I remember you made fun of a very large bank for, Did like, I? for about a minute. Oh, and man. I thought it was podcast gold, and then we had to take it out. Did I really? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say who it was. I'm glad that's been edited. Well, good. Now you can just shoot from the hip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> chew, chew. Uh, yeah, so no, we're not in a regulated industry, although uh, the security concerns are profound. So basically, what does logical do? First of all, I would like to spell logical. Um, because it is not a ironically logical spelling. Uh, the, the company was originally Logic Systems, L-O-G-I-K, and then we evolved from a service model to a uh, software product. And so that software product effectively culls documents. Um, so it's actually spelled L-O-G-I-K-C-U-L-L. Very counterintuitive, but our, 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 I give our CEO a hard time about the spelling every once in a while. But uh, uh, it, it's working for us, so what the hell. That, it, that, that marketing guy is, must be really good if he's making all this happen. Yeah, to get the SEO working, right? <laughs> I um, guess it's probably helpful for the SEO. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I, I will say like the K followed by C is not typically featured in non-Slavic language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so whatever. Um, but yeah, so what do we do? So e-discovery software. So e-discovery is the broad category of, uh, of what our software does. At a very high level, you could call it a very sophisticated search and document management tool with a very specific use case that has actually expanded over time. So basically in the U.S. legal system, if you've never been sued, I mean, I know Scott gets sued all the time. Just like, Thank God we have strong identification. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Scott doesn't get sued. No, but in the U.S. legal system, when you are party to a lawsuit, uh, there is this phase of the, uh, of the process that's called discovery. And that's the search for truth. It's kind of what the NFL's nervous about with Kaepernick, because if they start searching all those emails and the owners are sending an email around saying, don't, don't hire, this don't hire Kaepernick, Ooh. they're in trouble, right? Yeah. And, and so discovery is what we use, at least in theory, in the U.S. legal system to level the playing field. You know, once you argue a case on its merits, well, we have to agree what the merits are, right? We have to, as both parties, have to, have to come to some uh, agreement, which again they may dispute, but you have to determine what the facts are. And yeah. let's say I'm a disgruntled uh, employee of huge global multinational conglomerate X, right? And I hire my friend Scott Orn Esquire to represent me, and he files a lawsuit. All of this, by the way, is my right, right? If I've been wronged, yeah. U.S. legal system exists to try to give me justice. Well, and I claim that I was discriminated against for X reason or I was not paid overtime for Y reason or whatever. The truth is out there, uh, as I believe the X-Files yeah, uh, said. Yeah. And, but if I'm just, I'm just Evan Maher, I'm just some guy. In, in this alternate ego, I'm going to be Evan Maher just for this. I'm, I'm my more litigious e- evil twin. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but I don't have those documents, right? Like I'm just, uh, and so it's unfair that one side would have access to all the information and the other side. You could present a way better case if you knew what was, what they had said internally exactly. about you. You know, yeah. the truth shall set you free, but we need to, we need to find the, the discovery is the process uh, of the search for truth. Yeah. And so basically what my attorney, uh, Scott Orn Esquire is going to do is they're going to lob, uh, you know, a request list after the lawsuit's been filed and then responded to, we're going to lob a request list in for, I want every document that pertains to 
overtime policies in the Birmingham, Alabama store where Evan Maurer worked between the dates of you know, it's, yeah. and, and these requests yeah. get are quite voluminous, right? Yeah. Um, because we want to see if there's a you know a really a smoking gun that says you know an email from Evan Maurer's supervisor. By the way, it's Evan Marr, and I'm really <laughs> perpetuating this mispronunciation. Um, you know, his supervisor saying, "Hey, we don't pay overtime." You know, like then, well, that, yeah, obviously that bolsters it. my case, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the smoking gun. Well, so that's easy enough, but but right away a couple problems emerge, right? Number one is that like a lot of this data is probably very sensitive, right? And I don't. Also, a lot of it is probably. Uh, subject to privilege, for example, you know, uh, client attorney privilege, right? Like there are things that I discuss with my attorney that like, no one else that's can not, know about. that's yeah. the deal. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to get good legal yeah. advice. And, you know, massive conglomerate X has that same right, the same way I have that with Scott Orn Esquire. So in the process of, and additionally, there's another issue that data, this is, we're talking about exchanging data. Effectively, there's a marketplace here where data gets, I request data from massive conglomerate X. Massive conglomerate X request data from me. I never thought about a marketplace. That's really smart. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. The data gets shared. Now, here's the trick. How has this traditionally been done? Well, it's actually how Logic Systems evolved. And they were really a professional services organization, which still exists. It's called an e-discovery vendor. And what they do is, okay, you ship me all your hard drives. And paper. And paper. And I scan the banker's box. And now, fortunately, most stuff is digital now, but not all. Yeah. I scan in whatever paper, you ship me your hard drives, and then I upload them to my servers and I have an army of, you know, professional service provider, you know, employees who code and tag every document like, well, this pertains to this. I'm going to tag it with this is tagged as privileged and therefore we don't have to produce it. This is tagged as pertaining to Evan Marr's employment at the Birmingham, Alabama location between these months. These documents pertain to uh, discrimination. These pertain to uh, overtime, whatever. That's... Massive and and so and it takes a lot of manpower, human tons power. of manpower, and it, it gets even worse. So number one, data is most insecure and vulnerable when it's on the move. Oh, interesting! I hadn't thought of that. Either. Yeah. yeah. So we always like one of our big uh, marketing campaigns that Robbie Hilson, who's getting name checked a lot today, um, has done is like we'll we've like tweeted photos of like a, a banker's box on the corner on the corner. Yeah, and and, and it, like on a dolly, and yeah. it tips over, and it's like oh, that's marketing gold because like that's yeah. not secure. Yeah, and that's such a good point. Oh yeah, and and actually there was a, I, I will actually name this bank because this is public information. Just recently, Wells Fargo Advisors, which is interestingly a, 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 an arm with which I, I helped negotiate a partnership while at Sigvig, my last company. Um, they are the high net worth kind of advisory arm of the Wells Fargo Bank for like wealth yeah. advisory. Uh, they got in a, a, a bit of trouble because they. They did what's called a production, which is they, they produce a bunch of documents that were requested by the other side in some, you know, could have been a third-party subpoena, could have been a litigation, could have been anything. Could have been internal investigation. I, I, don't, I don't know the details. And they shipped them to the wrong person. Oh, my God. And the wrong person usually to say, oh, what's this? Instead, this wrong person received them on a CD. And again, that's just proof, right? Like data is most yeah. insecure yeah. when it's on the move. And he went to the New York Times and said, well, look at what these knuckleheads did. They shipped me a CD with their top, their 50,000 most affluent clients. Oh, my God. With their security balances, their social security numbers, addresses, phone numbers. Like, whoa, this is very bad. Yeah. And that, that stuff happens yeah. when you deal with... Yeah, there's just so much human interaction. There's a chance for error. Human yeah. error. It's why we try to automate everything here. Yeah, exactly. Like, we use all the tools to do that. Yeah, yeah. do you... Um, do you guys still use a paper ledger or do you use a cloud-based yeah, account? Yeah, we use cloud-based account with yeah. integrations and other software tools that do other, uh, other automation. Yeah, when yeah. one of your partners or one of your customers like give, says, okay, here's my financial data, do they ship you a, a, yeah. a zip drive? Like, yeah. no. 
Yeah. But that's how the old vendor model works. Yeah, yeah. And Logic was that yeah. for many years. And uh, here's the, the last thing that I'll say that's one of these problems is that, um, you know, there are many different strategies in a lot of industries. In the discovery game, there is effectively one strategy. Low cost. Uh, no, in terms of like from the litigation perspective, oh, yeah. it is, well, let's bury these clients oh, yeah, and yeah, see yeah. if they can find it. So yeah. they request, Evan Marr requests from, you know, Evan Marr's got Scott Orn Esquire, a solar proprietor, and he, there are really 50 documents that we need. Yeah. Conglomerate X will will give Scott fifty million, and yeah. l- let's see if he wants to put himself out of business paying a paralegal to yeah. sort through fifty yeah, yeah, million yeah. dollars. And, Good and luck, if he can buddy. find the three smoking guns that we know are in there. Yeah, kind of thing. and yeah. and think about that problem in the context of that was a problem fifty years ago. Actually, my dad uh, was an attorney, was in litigation, was a litigator. He settled what was at the time the largest uh, construction litigation case in Massachusetts wow. state history. Now I think it's been eclipsed by big dig stuff, but it was the Heinz Convention Center, yeah. which was just had all sorts of issues. And he represented the uh, the Bond Brothers, Dugan and Myers, was a joint venture that uh, was the general contract. Um, by the way, I'm probably getting details wrong, and my dad will be mad. But I'm still fluffing him up because he <laughs> you know, he, he closed this big end. It was a huge win for him, and blah, blah, blah. Hopefully I'm not saying anything I'm not supposed to say. But it was a huge case, and uh, that was back in the 90s, and uh, or the 80s and 90s when they did the Heinz Convention Center construction project. Massive litigation, tons of counterclaims, very complex litigation case. He settled it, but he went up against Heinz Convention Center Authority, which is a governmental entity, single purpose created for the construction of this yeah. massive facility. And they employed white shoe law firm, Palmer and Dodge, which ironically I would later work for when I was a summer associate. <laughs> so it's a, it's a small world after all. And, uh, you know, they just tried to bury him in documents. But that was in 1980. How did he cope with that? He just... Uh, elbow grease. Yeah. Uh, and he had a star witness that had, a, uh, a, a, you know, a guy who... Uh, you know, he became very close to him and sadly passed away during the course of this man, almost decade-long litigation. Oh, man. Um, they became very close. And he just had an encyclopedic memory. And, um, and actually, one of the problems is, you know, they just tried to bury him. And he said, yeah, it was a huge case, 75. Um, I, I want to say. I'm he not probably spent right. a ton of money. Yeah, time and money. He was like, oh, 75,000 documents. Well, like, that's, that's – I'm trying to think the conversion. That's probably around 25 gigabytes. But, like, now it's 2017 – Think about all the things that record data, digital yeah, data now. Yeah. Drones, yeah. Your, your thermostat, yeah. your Nest, your iPhone, your watch. So data is exploding. We're yeah. producing like petabytes upon petabytes of data per second. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, we have these digital recording devices on everyone's wrist. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous, yeah, right? Podcasts even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so podcasts, exactly. And yeah. everything is discoverable. Yeah. So all of this is a long-winded way of saying... Just by definition of the, the things that we now record and digitize, the haystacks are exploding in size and the needles aren't getting any bigger. Yeah. And so what Logical does is instead of having the data be insecure and in a banker's box on Market Street that I could literally just go smash and grab, it's like we put in a closed loop system where people can exchange uh, e-discovery you know, data. And it's, it's interesting. It's a marketplace, but it's a highly contentious one. But the exchange still needs to happen. Yeah. And so we give them a, a venue in which to do that securely. Uh, safely and uh, do you and provide easily. like the search tools and all that kind of oh, stuff? Oh, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. what I say. It's effectively when I say call, we call it logic call, um, and therefore the call cast. Uh, you know, when someone tries to bury you, our software effectively tries to prevent that. You know, because you can run your very sophisticated Boolean, like all sorts of fuzzy logic, like, and there's you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of you know, complex search functionality that allows you to call out 90% of the documents because you know, I forget what it is, a human can review some number of documents per minute well if you can cut 50 million documents yeah. down to yeah. you know 
couple hundred thousand. Like, well, you just reduced. Huge. Yeah. One great example, one great use case just recently is um, uh, young women who were, you know, just assaulted and, and victimized by the Dr. Nasser, the, the gymnast. Oh, Madison. Yeah, yeah. We have this great uh, quote uh, from one of the attorneys that um, is, rep- is representing that kind of class, his big suit against uh, that, that, that doctor, uh, that near do well. And, uh, you know, for all his, um, you know, really some really terrible crimes that he committed over the course of decades. And this attorney basically said, you know, we are using this, we're going to use logical to find justice for these young women because we, we highly expect that when we get uh, the documents we request, that there will be a smoking gun evidence that um, people knew about this. And oh, they, my and God. Had, and that's a smoking gun, and that just makes you feel like, well, you know, we all want to do well, but it's also good to do good. Yeah. Also, cre- it's cre- it's about changing the incentives for people to speak up. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So you guys, and your business model is like a, is pure SaaS, right? Like it's a... Uh, it's actually evolved. Yeah, good yeah. question. That's what, that was interesting. About three weeks, I signed up. I was teased my CEO, uh, Andy Wilson, about uh, I signed up. Uh, and we were pure SaaS, which, like, from a financial modeling perspective, pretty easy. Yeah. Pay up front, yeah. prices agreed to, like, you know, yeah. on the golf course by three, right? <laughs> Not so much. Um, you know, what we found was that there's this big, long tail of the marketplace for whom a, a traditional SaaS subscription paid up front would never make sense. Because if you put yourself in the attorneys, you know, Scott Orn Esquire, right? He doesn't want to sign up for... A 12-month subscription? They kind of do it like pay-as-you-go or something like that, right? Yeah. That's how they want to do it? What if Scott does a great job, settles the case in six months? Now he's got six months more of payment for a tool he might not need? Yeah. So it's just entirely pay-as-you-go. Now, we still offer subscriptions. Some of our uh, government uh, clients prefer that. City of New York, City of Boston, City of Chicago, San Jose, uh, you know, our, our customers, and they like they like budgetary predictability. Yeah. They kind of know what their usage is. Can't you, I, I don't know, this is something we think about a lot too. Like, is there a way to make it so that you can structure a subscription that it works for the pay-as-you-go people too? Or like almost like MailChimp. You know how MailChimp has like the thresholds or doc, maybe you could do something on document search or something like that. We've done that actually. By the way, I don't know if, uh, if your microphone picks this up, but I'm like eating greasy Chinese food as, okay. as we have. So I hope that, sorry for that. <laughs> You can do a lot of things when you're the second time around. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Mem- Get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah, in the two timers club, membership has its privileges. Okay, <laughs> and I'm gonna give another. I'm gonna buzz market. Uh, chi- I think it's China Buffet on Kearney Street. Oh yeah, right yeah, near yeah. right near the office. Uh, very delicious. I'm, I'm buzz marketing a ton today. I don't know. So yeah, no, we have experimented with that, and we've had people flip from you know subscription to say, I want, you know, I'm gonna go usage based because. It's easier to allocate costs back to my end client. Oh, that's for example. a big one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, because there are ethical implications for like, well, implicit in a subscription is effectively a bulk discount. But then if I'm a law firm and I'm representing 10 clients, you're just going to divide that subscription by yeah. 10? Or how frequently used it? Some, you know, finger in the air like, oh, like, I kind of used logical more this month for client X. So I'm going to pat. Like, that's tricky. Yeah, that's hard. But also... Um, you, you know, we've had people go from pay as you go to subscription and say like, oh wow, pay as you go is like effectively like a paid trial and then I love the tool and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use everything. That's what we have. We have people who are, they don't like the monthly variability mm-hmm. or they, it's just like too hard for them to review in-depth invoices or things like that. So they ask us to go fixed, mm-hmm. which is effectively a subscription. So that's actually something we're doing right and now. We have people yeah. who do both. That's why I asked that question actually. I was yeah. interested in what you, how you do it. We also, interestingly, and this is challenging from a financial modeling perspective, but you know, no one's going to cry over finance. Uh, being frustrated uh, or challenged, I should say, not frustrated, challenged. We have people who have a subscription for their one use case and then a pay-as-you-go account for this other use case, like their internal investigation. Yeah. Because people don't, like, e-discovery is what we came out of. 
um, as a as a vendor, which is entirely litigation based, focused. That's that's kind of where the logic systems as a as a basically a professional services vendor uh, evolved. But the use the, the tool is now used for a variety of related or similar use cases like. City of Boston uses us entirely for Freedom of Information Act requests. Oh, that's cool. Because yeah. their their process at City of Boston used to be like, okay, we get a we get an FOIA request, and literally Sully and Murph from Brockton go into the back room. They start scanning documents. They oh, redact or they print them. Actually, they manually redact the privileged stuff with oh, a sharpie God. or yeah. a whiteout. I mean, this is bananas, right? Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, no, let's just do that with a tool because you have to respond to an FOIA request within a certain amount of time. Yeah. So, and FYA requests are just exploding. So well, for good reason, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, to, to that end, like a, a lot of our, we have a, so we, I talked a lot about law firms doing using it for litigation, city, this, like large cities using it both for litigation and Freedom of Information Act requests. We also have a lot of nonprofits that use it for litigation. Mm. And I think it was uh, Earth Justice. Why, did they get sued or something? Or? No, Earth Justice. Uh, oh, they're suing government they're suing for suing not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that makes so sense. So Earth Justice, I believe it was Earth Justice, said uh, we're using Logical to, quote unquote, go to war with the Trump administration. Wow. That's a good um, That's a good endorsement. Yeah, and they credit us with, uh, and they don't credit the finance guy, just to be clear. They credit the engineers who built yeah. this office, the, 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 the tool and everything. But uh, they, they, I use us loosely, but they, they credit us with helping them save um, a species of Mexican wolf. Wow. And it's just cool stuff, yeah. Uh, Sierra Club's a good customer. Um, Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund. Like We got some really cool that's awesome. nonprofits yeah. that we work with. So anyway, yeah, it's an interesting company because it's 13 years young. Because for... You know, five years they were this this vendor, uh, this professional services vendor, and they had built some tools internally to automate all of this. And then the problem is, again, you wake up one day, and I give Sheng uh, Yang is the CTO and, and co-founder, and Andy Wilson, the CEO, is co-founder. I, it takes a lot of a lot. It takes a lot of courage uh, to wake up one day and say, okay, we've built this profitable, growing, but really not that fun professional services business, and it's making money. But at the end of the day. Long before they had ever heard of MRR or ARR or yeah. LCV or SAS at all, they woke up and re- looked themselves in the mirror and said, you know what? We can't justify getting out of bed for less than $100,000, so we are not democratizing access to justice, um, which is kind of our mantra yeah. around the office. But if we build a software if tool we, that did it. Exactly. Yeah. Like the only people who can afford us is conglomerate X, like Scott Orn Esquire yeah. can't afford us. Yeah. So what if we took the tools that we built internally spent four years basically making them more customer facing so that you could kind of DIY the e-discovery process instead of needing a vendor like us who won't get out of bed for less than 100000 In the process, we will kill this profitable service business that we've built and, and transform ourselves into a software business. That's amazing. Which is pretty Good cool. for those guys. That's awesome. It takes, the, it takes some moxie. <clears throat> the do-it-yourself thing is just such a trend too. It's like mm-hmm. it's everywhere. It just... Yeah. I feel like it's because SaaS is easier to build now, generally speaking. I mean, I'm sure you guys are doing some crazy, crazy search stuff that would be, you know, there's got to be like 10 MIT engineers in there doing it. But yeah, everyone, people prefer to do it yourself. If they can do it themselves, they'll do it. And that's, it's just, it's just how it is. It's, it's an awesome place to be in like the software life cycles right now where yeah. things are sophisticated enough to get the job done, but easy enough to, for people to do it themselves. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's... um. The coolest thing about it at this point is that we have these four principles that we live by, and um, and it's just really refreshing. Honestly, it's like number one, like do the right thing. Honestly, it's not usually that complicated. What's the right? People know what the right thing yeah, is to do. Yeah. It's just that sometimes it's hard to do the right thing. Yeah. 
Number two, start with the why. Like, why are our customers doing this? Why are we, you know, why are we, why did we build this tool? And that really was to like democratize access to, yeah. to justice, really. You know, three, customer first, always. Yeah. I usually get the order wrong. Maybe they're, I, you know, maybe they're, that's number one. I think, I think, I think do the right thing is number one. At least that's the one I, I always lead with. And then last is pr- pursue powerful simplicity. Because like, I like, those, I like all those. really complicated. Yeah. yeah. And the more you can, you know, iPhone, one button. You know, Google one search box. Yeah. You know, the more you can simplify it. We're, we're trying to do the same thing. We, yeah. I actually, like, we're, because we have a huge customer service focus, too. Like, it's been, we've always been like that, but now we, like, talk about it all the time and do presentations on it, and, and it really is working. It's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just makes, it makes sense for everybody. The clients are happier. Our team is happier because they're getting more recognition from the clients because we're telling them. It's almost like one of these things when you tell the clients how customer service oriented you are, they start noticing it more. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And then Absolutely. our team likes it because they are getting recognized more. It's a really yeah. good feeling. Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about it in every all hands, like, okay, what was your customer first moment? Or, yeah. hey, what should we do here? Well, what's the customer first answer? That's a really blah, blah, blah. good. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, it's just a good bunch of people, man. And it seems like you're really, I mean, I can tell, you. people can probably tell by your voice, but you're really enjoying it. Oh, like, my, you know, my best man, uh, who I, I've already, came on, you're on the hook. I'm just, I'm just buzz marketing the heck out of this. Uh, this uh, he runs a Metric Collective in New York City, Cave on, if you're listening. I'm going to introduce you to, to Scott. Maybe you can use his services. You know, he just says, like, Evan, you can just hear it in your voice, man. We, you know, we actually went on this great vacation with, with him and his, his girlfriend, uh, Justine, who's lovely. You know, he was like, Evan, you just hear it in your voice. It's like, yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. What are your guys' big initiatives for 2018? Like, what are you trying to get out there? And it sounds like you're growing pretty quickly now. Yeah. Um, yeah, year-over-year year growth has been great. We've got a lot of cool um, product releases, like feature releases that I think are big. You know, on the maybe less exciting uh, side, on the finance side, like, we're in the middle of a big ERP transition. Oh, away what are you from, switching uh, to? Yeah, uh, uh, NetSuite. No, yeah, NetSuite's yeah. the best. Yeah, away from a, uh, an ERP system that will go nameless. Uh. <laughs> we we recommend NetSuite too. Like yeah. where our big clients, they we put them on NetSuite usually as part of the transition. Yeah, so, and the cool you probably know this, but you can get some really nice pricing if you work with the NetSuite channel yeah. partner and things like that. Yeah, yeah. we did. And I think that yeah. our pricing was pretty good. I, I will say uh, Patrick McCafferty, if you're listening, did a great job. He's a great sales rep. It's it, going to buzz market Patrick here. I don't know. Larry Ellison doesn't need me to buzz market Oracle NetSuite, but whatever. I just did it. it NetSuite <laughs> is, is just literally the best solution for is like it, mid... Oh, totally. Yeah. You totally... I mean, we see it all the time. It's, yeah. it's the best for the mid-sized market. We were down to that or like intact. And uh, honestly, ultimately, I put my... I have this fantastic uh, CPA... Uh, who's my controller? I, I have referred to her as uh, as you know my Jerry Rice. Which in this comparison, yes, I am Joe Montana. Uh, I just want to own that right up front. <laughs> he said with with some humility. Uh, no, but she's uh, she's great, and I'm ultimately said like, hey, Vin, this is your call because ultimately I live in Excel. You know, that's where I, I'm not a classic trade yeah. account. I'm not a CPA. Yeah. I'm going to live in Excel, and so all I just all I care about is does it spit out the data I need? Yeah, and you're going to be spending the time in the tool. And she ultimately was like, "Man, that's what she's, I, she's I, EY." CPA. I think it's the right it's the right call. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't second guessed that decision at all. So yeah, it's awesome. So that's it's, that's a big move. So for us. a lot of features. Yeah, uh, in, we're probably going to have to move offices because we're growing oh, real wow. fast. In that's fact, a, that's a shame. We're, we're, I'm just, yeah, let's, not, a let's shame. not discuss let's that not talk anymore. About this at all. Anymore, that's um, that's a shame. Terrible. We have, we have a beautiful office <laughs> that Scott might want to move in. Okay, I didn't say anything. 
and then are you guys are. are you guys like global? Are you selling in Europe and stuff like that? Or we work? have yeah, we have customers in thirty four countries. Wow, which is crazy. Uh, the Aussies love us. Uh, you know who knew? Aussies um, love us too. Actually. Is that right? They're good people. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, you know, the, a lot uh, of Aussie inbounds. Yeah, the Aussies love us, and it, and what's funny is that they rave about our customer service, which is great. I mean, you, uh, they ought to if we're customer first, but like, the time zones don't line up well. But like, they you know, so the Aussies love us. Yeah, we're. We, we don't have an international focused sales team. I think, you know, I always joke with Andy that one day I would like to be responsible for opening uh, Logical Paris um, because I like croissants and, and, uh, and, and lived there for a little while. So uh, we'll see. But right now, uh, we're actually spread out across the United States. We, we have engineers in like 10 different states, but our, office, our headquarters is in San Francisco. What are some of the, like, you join a, a fast-growing SaaS company as VP of Finance. Like, what have you learned in the last, like, year? It's been like a year, right? Yeah, it's been yeah, uh, like, ten, ten and a half months. Yeah, almost exactly, almost a year. Uh, a lot, I would say. The complexity uh, and the amount, the sheer amount of time I spend on incentive compensation plans is far more than I ever expected. But it's really important. You know, there has to be a logic there in terms of like what some of the collective individual goals, and they ought to align with yeah. the company goals, right? So it's so it's so. There's a lot of moving pieces there. It's and, hard. Like yeah. I told you before we started taping this, I spent the first half of my day doing eight performance reviews. Mm-hmm. You know, and these are super important people. Like, and a lot of times conversations discussed, and it's it's hard to, because most people at our shop where they're like client services and do a ton of accounting and finance work, but they also the people I was doing today are our top people, and so they typically have a functional area they, they work in too, like something that improves cruise consulting. And so it's hard to, to map kind of billables plus this qualitative and quantitative contribution in the functional areas to like compensation. And yeah. you kind of know it, you kind of know they're doing a great job, but it's, it's, it's how do you come up with metrics or ways to, to incentivize them to keep doing a great job? Yeah, exactly, I mean, I have a philosophy which uh, I'll share, but this advice is kind of worth what you paid for it, uh, which is zero. I, I was never one of those McKinsey guys, but I, I do like a good two by two matrix. And like the only stuff that makes sense for incentive comp is stuff that is in the top right of a two by two matrix. And that is like on one axis, is this easily quantifiable? Because if it's not easily quantifiable, then you're only going to cause frustration in calculation and, and distribution yeah. of incentive compensation. And uh, along the horizontal axis, is the difference between bad and good and good and amazing uh, of the performance of that task, does it have a material impact on the company's performance? You know, and so an example is like putting out lunch, right? Like if you do a fantastic job at that or a bad job, I mean, the company's not going to suffer. I mean, I, all else equal, I prefer you do. Like, yeah. every task is valuable. And I'm yeah. not casting aspersions on the person who puts out lunch. But, like, really, all I – like, the difference is, is negligible in terms of performance. Yeah. But sales is the most obvious one. Like, the more you sell, that is directly flowing. Through. So it needs to be easily quantifiable. And the difference between good and me- – like, mediocre and good, good and great has to be – actually drive success on the, on the company yeah. level. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges we find is that if we put – Stuff that doesn't meet both of those characteristics into incentive comp, it gets muddy, and then you know you can almost face a situation where someone forgets, like, oh, I, I actually receive a base salary. It's like don't just chase the stuff that you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's the challenge. I, f- I always find that like MBA oriented people tend to be the best at breaking those kind of systems. Like they, it's kind of what you're saying. Like they, 
they optimize for the variable mm-hmm. instead of thinking about the, uh, their broader contribution. So it's it's knowing kind of who you're talking to and what how they think and really explaining it to them. Yep. You know, but that it's really it's hard. It's probably one of the hardest things we do here too is like figuring making sure everyone. And also, I think. I'll contradict your, the lunch example a little bit in that every job that people are doing is important. Totally agree. It's yep. super important to take pride in what you do. And, you know, the best, the best junior accountant at Cruise Consulting makes a huge impact on the people who are controllers and, and CFO, VPs of finances because it makes everyone's life easier and it also reflects the professionalism that we have as a company. It's when, when, the, when the junior people are doing like our lights out professionals, you know, you, you know, you're working with someone good yeah. and not that you Agreed. weren't saying that, but yeah, it's like, so everyone's, everyone's important. And, but that means, that means that the compensation discussion or incentive structures have to apply to everybody, not just like yeah. maybe 20% of the population it yeah. has to apply to everybody, which is hard. It makes it exhausting well, actually. In, in that case, I would say that satisfies one of the, like the junior accountant, for example, like, oh no, that, that satisfies one of the metrics and that it definitely, or one of the, the quadrants in that it definitely does uh, drive success on the company yeah, level. Yeah. It's just not quantifiable. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway. I like the two, I hadn't thought about like the two by two thing. Well, I spent, well, I, I, I gotta tell you, moving into SaaS, I've spent a lot more time thinking about uh, incentive compensation schemes than ever before. So that's, that's one thing I've learned. That's a good, um, that's a good, that's a good thing to think. Of. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep going. You're, this yeah. is good. Another thing I, I've definitely learned is um, you got to sell to the marketplace in the way that they want to buy. Yeah. And Such different a great buyers point. buy yeah. differently. Like, like I, t- I made reference to governments and nonprofits. Like those guys, I'm, I'm, I'm grossly generalizing and, and we have, we have government clients who are on a usage based model and we have law firms who are on a subscription model. But like at the end of the day, you can't force the way you want to sell onto a, if it doesn't align with the way such the customer a good, wants to buy. That's a, such a great point. And it's just common yeah. sense, but like, you know, people fall in love with like, oh, it's got to be a three year paid up front contract. It's like, well, what if you have in our, in our slightly, you know, unusual, if not unique use case, like the matter could settle and I don't want to be left holding the bag. Yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of discount you offer, offer yeah. that person. I, we have the same thing. That's what I was saying. Like we have actually a lot of clients that want subscription from us yeah. because most of our clients don't vary that much on a month-to-month basis at all, and so they know that, and they don't want to waste the time of reviewing all their invoices and things like that when it's very little variability, and it just kind of makes sense. So actually, it's interesting. We're thinking through the same exact stuff, but then you have other people who do want a highly specific, they, they may need a highly specific invoice, or they may need a highly specific something, and if you can do it easily and it makes sense and you're not like throwing a wrench in your system, you, you got to accommodate them, yeah. you know? I mean, that's, that, a, that's, that's a wise, those are wise words. I think it just, and it's, by the way, I didn't, I can't claim to have come up with that. I think one of our uh, board members had pointed that out. That's just like experience and being around the block. Absolutely. Knowing, and, and all, probably that board member worked on many companies that yep. broke their pick hey, trying your, to try, yeah, learn, you know. Learn from mistakes, right? Yeah. You know, that's just part of the customer first approach. It's like, well, okay, if they want to pay this way, then let them pay. Yeah. You know, like, take, yeah. take my money. Like, yeah. okay, you know. Um, and I guess lastly, it's just like, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty long in the tooth at this point. So like, I just, the people you work with and specifically who you report to is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it's all, I, honestly, it's, it's, it's almost all that matters. I mean, if we were not performing well, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to like earn a living and you need to have a job. And so, but like all else being equal, I'd rather just work with great people 
at a company that's doing okay yeah. than uh, people that you know maybe I didn't like as much on a company that's doing great. Now, fortunately, like logicals, you know, usually they go in tandem though. Yeah, usually you really the people who are really special who you love working with. There are, there are people who move the needle big time, and yeah. usually if a company can get enough of those people, then it does well. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's definitely the but ch- I, chicken I, no, and the I'm egg. saying I'm just yeah. saying like it's true. life is too short to work with people you don't respect or yeah. don't you're not learning from. Yeah. Um, but the good people do tend to congregate. Yeah, you know. And I would say yeah, the, the old it's, I, it is maybe chicken and egg too. It's like you know, there's not a lot of clubhouse fights on hundred win baseball. Games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like winning solves pretty it much does. everything. It does. Um, but but that said, like oh, just working with good people, man, it's the best, dude. Like I just you know I work way too much. I'll be working this weekend, getting out of bed and being excited to get to work. It's just, it's cool. I'm the same. I mean, we're so, sitting here. On a Friday afternoon, yeah. I think it's what January 29th or 28th. December, but Dece- uh, December. Sorry, <laughs> but that's yeah, right. sorry, sorry. That's how that's how hard we've been working exactly. in a dead week where most people take it off, and yeah, exactly. we've been, And this is a lot of credit to Vanessa. Like we're pushing through all these process improvements yeah. and notifications to our clients and things like that when everyone else is on a beach somewhere. And yeah. it actually feels good. It feels like we're totally. really help. I think we're helping our clients, and they don't even realize it. And that's yeah. actually super satisfying to me. Like. No one, no one knows we're doing this, yeah, except, exactly. except when they see one email out that says these are the things we're changing or this is what we're doing to make your life easier. You yeah. know? And you're doing the same thing. I'm just trying to make it happen. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And where, where's the company going from here? Like you guys basically, it's, it's the, you're in the rinse and repeat mode basically now, like figured yeah. out the core, core value prop and now it's just how do we make it better? How do we add the features that are keeping people from buying? And Yeah, I mean I think we hit a milestone earlier this month. That, you know, basically uh, made us feel, you know, like, okay, we've, we've attained that kind of initial scale. And we, you know, uh, Robbie Elson, his name comes up a lot. You know, on the marketing side, I feel like we've really, uh, we're landing, you know, accounts quickly. And the sales team is rocking and rolling. And that's great. And, uh, you know, I feel like it, it might make sense to kind of, once you figure out that model, you know, until you figure out that model, then it doesn't make sense to pour gas on the fire because it's just you just gonna, waste like, money. Burn. Yeah, you're just gonna, you're actually makes it harder to figure out because exactly. you're you're distracted and you're you're you might be covering a, a an inefficient machine with just yeah. like more fuel. Totally. But when the f- machine gets to a certain level of efficiency, then it might make sense to pour more fuel on the fire. Yeah. So I think we'll be growing, you know, quickly. Hopefully, that's awesome. You know, that's exciting, and I think we'll be growing. You know, we'll be hiring a lot of people and we'll Let's, love Next it. year when we do this podcast That's or right. maybe nine months from now, <laughs> I want to talk about that. Like how do you how do you hire smartly? We, oh, yeah. Vess and I were just talking about this the other night. We're so f- – at the time of recording, we're at 30 people and we have four more people starting next week. So That's we'll great. be at 34. We've, been, we've had this luxury of um, growing fast but growing slow enough to really absorb people yeah. and give people the chance to prove themselves and find their own identity. And yeah. So we haven't had – we hear everyone's voice still. It's a great feeling. Yep. But when you're, when you're venture-backed and you're hiring even faster, like how do you – I want to know. This is like an honest question. Like how do you preserve the culture? How do you make sure everyone actually knows what they're doing? Right. How do you make sure they're actually doing their job? Yeah. You know, like things like that, like basic stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the thing is you're probably, you're probably growing really fast. But, you know, when you're 18 people, like growing 10% a month is just two people, right? Yeah. And so you can still digest two people yeah, a month. That's what we, that's and that's what we've been doing. Growth, yeah, right? exactly, yeah. But, you know, I think we have 13 people starting on January oh. 8th. And, uh, you know, that's like, whoa. Um, and this happened at SigFig. Honestly, yeah. I, I think I probably learned some lessons there. And I and all else equal, I mean, when, when I started at SigFig, we were thirty or twenty nine. Wow. 
when I left, we were 130, something wow. like that. And now I think they're at 200. I think they're doing great and rocking and rolling. You know, the way I always look at hiring is type one versus type two errors. And that's like false positives versus false negatives, right? And it's like, would you rather take a chance and hire, you know, 10 people knowing that like two of them might not work out? Or if you only hire five, well then, assuming you don't improve your selectivity, like maybe you go four for five, five for five, but you really missed on four, maybe or Other three people or could four. have helped. Yeah, really good. Yeah. So what? Do you, what do you? What? What's more painful? Yeah. And and basically, that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah. So like the opportunity cost of not hiring more good people versus outweighs yeah, a couple bad of apples. Bad hire. Yeah. But I think that's true only if you match that with. Uh, and like I'm not a callous individual who wants to just like fire and be chainsaw Al Dunlap here. Little buzz market there, pretty pretty deep. That's a deep cut. I know who Al Dunlap. Do is. you? Yeah. Sunbeam. Because you, you took Jim Shine's uh, managing no, turnaround. Because I followed stock market for a long time. Right on. Well, there you go. Chainsaw that guy Al. used to go in and just go into any consumer product company and fire as many people as he could yeah. to try to make the stock go up over Rambo two years and, and then st- sell the company. Yeah, that's exactly what he did until he got so, caught for security fraud. Yeah, but and that's <laughs> but that's not you, thank God. That's not me. <laughs> Uh, especially not the channel stuffing and securities fraud, uh, yeah. Because I didn't, I don't do that. But um, you know, but if you, if you anyway, it was another big tangent here. Um, but like, yeah, if you're gonna have that, like, well, I'd rather hire the ten, knowing that one or two might not work out. You can't be afraid to say, hey, you know, this wasn't a good fit, and yeah. you know, best of luck with future projects. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's hard to say because like, no, I don't like, you know, one likes fire, you know, firing people. But if you want to go through hypergrowth, you have two options. Choke your growth by making sure, absolutely sure, that everyone works out. And by the way, even then, it won't. Not everyone will. Yeah, yeah. Um, or go for it, but be really diligent on the. Some the, we hope, like whatever our percentage of hit rate is, is kind of exogenous to the model, right? It's like we, could, you know, you might be able to increase it as much as possible. But you're still not going to be 100. percent So you just have to be diligent on the back end, saying, okay, these are the we hired a hundred people, ninety of them worked out. This is what works. Ten people you got to terminate. Yeah, I know. You know, it sucks, but you got to do it. I know. So anyway, I think it's though that's what I'm curious to learn is. And by the way, how do you know? I'm I'm not telling you like logical. I don't. We are growing very quickly. Uh, We've had a pretty good hit rate with you know with hires, and we don't. I, I don't think that we as an organization have any philosophy at this point. It's like get great people. You heard me rave about the people, so obviously we're doing yeah. something right. So I don't want to advertise like, oh, logical. That's the place that they hire fast and fire yeah, fast. Yeah, like, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. I'm not saying that, but you do have to make a decision somehow as an organization. Yeah, and that's, and that's something what, that, that's what I want to figure out. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? That's like, something that we, we will will grapple with. I figured you'd figure that out this year. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think we'll grow a lot or hire a lot of heads. So hopefully yeah. they're all successful. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. So. Uh, anything else? Put, uh, it, put a plug in for the Western nephews. I, I'm putting in a plug for the Western <laughs> nephews. Uh, we don't have a gig yet. Although Kevin Phillips, if you're out there, we, you didn't expect that we would try to recruit you via podcast. But, uh, <laughs> so if you guys we'll know Kevin Phillips, we'll get this edited very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, number two, yeah, it's just always a pleasure to uh, to come chat. I'm looking, oh, forward, and I'm looking ex- forward to number three. I expect, I absolutely expect some podcast jingle business. And, yeah, I would love that. And just to, I, by the way, to put a, a bow on our conversation about what e-discovery is, uh, I talked about like how discovery is a search for truth, uh, how it gives people access to justice, and how uh, you know you have to like cull through all the nonsense of the documents they give you, which is basically called deduplication. Yeah, because because yeah. you know the same D- email dedupe. Gets, yeah, yeah. dedupe. That's uh, actually our, our CEO's Twitter handle is iddupe. Um, so awesome. I, th- just as a as a as a buzz marketing for the Western nephew's ability to write custom jingles, I will tell you that the lyrics which I sing in the in the logical podcast are in the search for they're intentionally cheesy as hell in the search for truth. You're gonna have to dedupe. <laughs> 
Access to justice at last. So listen up. It's Callcast. So wow. that's if wow, that that's doesn't good. if that doesn't get me hired by ten uh, Silicon Valley startups looking for a custom jingle for five bottles of uh, decent to okay liquor, then I don't know what's wrong. with It's this like place. nationwide, and then the logical <laughs> podcast <laughs> jingle. Those are the two that's the right. two sh- you know perfect podcast or right. perfect we, jingles. We are the tin standard. Yes, very good, very good. <laughs> Not uh, gold. On that note, Evan Maurer. Ah! Oh, did I mess it up again? Moore? Mar. Mar. I'm Far, sorry. Far, bar, car, It's star. just so everyone knows, it's spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. It's like a weird spelling. It makes me and logical a yeah. perfect yeah. match. Yeah, totally right. non-phonetic spelling. <laughs> Evan, thank you for coming on the podcast. Second time, amazing, and great job. Hey, Thanks. Thank you. All right, later.